In this episode of Tech Transformation, we're digging deeper into the role that security plays in today's retail and consumer goods environments. This is part two of our three-part series sponsored by Microsoft, where we're talking with Jim Eckert, Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft, about today's most pressing concerns. We're talking about the new realities of the retail workforce, what they mean for today's key security challenges, and just some of the things that are keeping retail security experts up at night. Keep listening to learn more on Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News, where we explore the innovative tech strategies and trends in retail and consumer goods. I'm Lisa Johnson, Senior Editor at CGT, and in this episode, I'm talking with Jim Eckert, Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft. Jim's here as part of a three-part series. We're exploring the role that security plays in today's changing retail and consumer goods environments. So in our first episode, we looked at some of the different security concerns retailers might have depending on how they interact with consumers. And in this one, we're going to talk about the new realities of the retail workforce and what they mean for today's key security concerns. We're also going to talk about some of the things that's keeping retail security experts up at night. So Jim, thanks again for talking with me. Thanks, Lisa. I'm really looking forward to it. I uh, really enjoyed our first conversation, so I'm too looking forward to extending it. Um, so retailers and consumer goods organizations are always looking to provide consumer experiences that make them stand out from the competition. Certainly nothing new, nothing that's likely to change anytime soon. Um, but at the same time, they do need to focus on increasing productivity for their workforces. So with that in mind, what are some of the biggest challenges for retailers today when it comes to meeting both of these needs? So Lisa, I think that you know, when we start thinking about consumer and, and retail goods, I mean, the first thing that we just have to acknowledge is that we're talking about the interface between the organization and the consumer. And so we want to make that productive and frictionless and, as you said, differentiating. But what we also know is that uh, part of producing the, the consumer experience is making sure that we can have secure, productive experiences across the entirety of that supply chain that is delivering goods to the consumer. And so when we talk about this overall topic, I mean, we're literally talking about people who are walking the retail floor of a home furnishing store or of uh, a clothing store. We're talking about people who are working in the cash registers at a quick service restaurant, for instance. Um, people who are working on the shop floor uh, in a manufacturing facility or in a warehouse, as well as people who are driving delivery trucks. And so we have to look at the broadness of this, and, and there's security aspects that, that go across all of this. You know, the, the first one, and I mentioned it you know, almost ad nauseum in the first installment of this series, and I'll, I'll go ahead and start there now, is making sure that we get identity right, because identity needs to be protected. Identity, from Microsoft's perspective, is the, the new perimeter, and we'll get into talking about zero trust a little bit later, I think, but getting identity right across all these different scenarios and across all these different workers um, and the identity and the strength of that authentication needs to be um, in proportion to what is the importance of the asset or the workload that that particular persona might be accessing. And so identity is certainly of concern. Okay, great. So what are some of the technologies that can increase productivity and security for first-line workers? Yeah, so let's, let's talk specifically about devices then, because every one of these personas and wherever they were in the supply chain, can actually drive different types of devices that are going to make them more productive while also being secure, while also driving collaboration. And so if you start way upstream in you know, perhaps the manufacturing setting or the distribution and receiving setting, 
you know, we may have devices that are more hardened devices, like you might find from suppliers like Zebra or Symbol that are intended for more hardened and more um, operational types of environments. Uh, you know, if we're talking about people that are uh, knowledge workers in the retail organization, I mean, clearly we're talking about laptops and workstations. And I think that we all understand best how to secure those because that's the domain of the knowledge workers, which we've all been working on for a while. When we think about uh, special purpose devices like point of sale, uh, you know, again, if, if, you're, if you're a cashier that's working at, at a quick service restaurant, we, we need to be thinking about to what degree do we need to understand your identity and to what degree does that uh, point of service device need to be secured? Because not everything has to have industrial grade security. And so it's all about managing the risk to the right level. And last but not least is when you're facing off, you know, from a consumer's perspective, if you're facing off with a sales associate in a home furnishing store or in a, in a clothing store, perhaps it's appropriate to have a very nice, simple tablet where you can go and easily check inventory, see what's available at other stores and the like. So we need to be able to support securely a variety of devices <clears throat> that are both good for the associate working in that organization, as well as when they're interfacing with the consumer who has some needs and they want to met frictionlessly and quickly. So remote work used to be a rare occurrence, especially in retail, um, but that's obviously not the case anymore. Um, and, you know, it's become really a permanent pattern in both retail and consumer goods environments. So with that in mind, what are some of the key issues that need to be addressed in today's remote work or, or even hybrid work environments? Yeah, so there, again, there's a variety of issues associated with that. But one of the things I'd start with, Lisa, is that, you know, when this pandemic set in, there were a lot of organizations that took solace that, you know, their employees came in they plugged their device into my local network at work and everything was secure. And so when the pandemic actually arrived, many organizations overnight started either take your device home and work from some network that we don't know about. Or if we had never issued you a device go home and work on your own device on your own network that we don't know that much about. And so when we think about remote work, we've got to think about, you know, Going home can be the wild, wild west if you are not prepared for that experience. But what we really need to think about as we settle into the permanency of remote work is, again, and I won't repeat all of the points, but we've got to have identity done really well. Um, and when we think about remote work, I think it's really, really important that we're using multi-factor authentication because when we think about you might be using your device. You might already have some malware on it, some scrapers and all that that are capturing your passwords. So multi-factor authentication could be a great way to handle that. So identity has to be managed well in, in a remote work environment. The second thing that we really have to focus on is the device. Uh, and what are our organization's policies going to be around the device? So perhaps you're working on a workload that really uh, isn't that sensitive. And so maybe I'll let you use your home PC or your home Mac and get to that workload uh, without any additional security provisions. But you might also be working on some pretty sensitive work. And so I want your device to either be corporately managed or I want our organization to land some management software on your device. And so that's the long way of saying that we need to be looking at the device's security posture and is it appropriate for the workload or the applications that you're trying to get to. And then probably the third leg in that stool, Lisa, then is that context is what is that workload? 
that remote workers are actually accessing because that workload and the context around that is actually what sets the parameters for how strong the authentication needs to be, how secure the device needs to be before we're actually going to let you get through to those device, to, to those workloads. So it sounds like a lot of the similar concerns that you're talking about really with the, the first line workers in the retail stores, figuring yeah. out what makes sense for each individual worker um, yeah. or each individual situation. Um, yeah, so because you fundamentally, think about it for a second, Lisa. Um, fundamentally, we it, it's not just remote workers. It's not just home workers. I mean, the new mantra now is work from virtually any device, work from virtually any network, work from virtually any location, and you must be able to be productive in that experience and secure in that experience. And so that gives us a whole new set of requirements that we've got to address because it isn't just about working from home. It's it's anywhere from any device. And so the the the... The aperture on security opens up quite a lot. The attack surface opens up quite a lot. So you mentioned zero trust, and I'm wondering if that's going to lead into that, right? I mean, if you're letting workers work from anywhere on mm-hmm. any device or, or that's the expectation, then um, you know certainly there's going to be different security concerns. So what is zero trust? Yeah, so, so you hit the nail on the head, and, and we are talking about zero trust now because uh, zero trust is an approach, not a set of products necessarily. Uh, and the approach is that, uh, as I was talking about earlier, organizations have traditionally viewed the network perimeter as a primary security plane. And what we're seeing is people start working from home as organizations start consuming cloud services is that the network, it's not not important, but the network's uh, effectiveness in being the security plane is declining in uh, its effectiveness. And so when we talk about zero trust, we're fundamentally, and this is how NIST describes it as well, we're fundamentally talking about moving security from the network layer to the resource layer. And so not to be repetitive with what I just talked about is now we're actually specifically looking at that identity and that authentication strength. And so I'm looking at that specific resource in action. I'm looking at the device and saying, what does its security posture need to be in the context of what is the overall workload that I'm looking at. And so what I think you can start seeing in this zero trust approach is we're moving security closer to the resources, closer to the edges, um, and not being so reliant on the network to make security types of, of decisions. And what that's enabling us to do is really to deliver a lot more of this flexibility because almost any organization, including Microsoft, who is doing some type of zero trust approach, is when you're authenticating, they're authenticating to a cloud. When you're checking the device's security posture, you're checking that to the cloud. When you're accessing a workload, that workload is generally now sitting in the cloud. And so you can see now how we're starting to, to some degree, disintermediate the importance of the network. And you can see how that zero trust is starting to work together now. So I, I want to bring us full circle then. And then all these things that, that we've been talking about, how is this enabling retailers and consumer goods companies to provide better consumer experiences while still supporting their first line workers? Yeah. And, and I just think that it's um, enabling these organizations to, to transform faster because what we've seen through the pandemic is that organizations are trying to change uh, their products and how they approach consumers. So in the first installment of this, we talked about yeah, quick service restaurants are producing mobile apps so that you can more easily order your, your burger or your chicken sandwich before you before you get to the restaurant. Uh, so we're increasing agility there because organizations want to change how they uh, interact with their consumer. 
Organizations also, because there's so many people who may be sick from the pandemic or working from home you know, permanently, is we've still got to have those workers able to do their work wherever they are. And so what we're doing is we're delivering a whole new set of capabilities that help organizations be more agile as they face off with the consumers, as they work with knowledge workers in their workforce. And so we're, we're just delivering a whole new level of, of agility and speed so that we can adapt more quickly to, to a lot of market forces that are changing and are probably going to continue changing as, as we emerge into a newer looking economy. Okay. Um, so we usually like to end these on an upbeat note, but I, I kind of I want to end this on, on a bit of a dark note. I want to talk horror stories. Um, you know, when it comes to highly distributed workforces, what are the issues security leaders are most concerned about? Um, what's really keeping them up at night? Yeah. So, Lisa, I mean, I've, I've done a number of webinars and I've talked to a number of security leaders and CISOs um, and almost universally. They're talking about information protection and governance and, and insider risk management. And rightly or wrongly, organizations used to believe that because you came into the office and you punched in, you badged in, you plugged into their network, uh, you were in some kind of bubble where you were more trusted in terms of the work that you're doing. And now that we've lost that visibility and you're probably working from home or from the coffee shop or what have you, you still might be dealing with consumer information. You still might be dealing with payment card information. And so for that reason, security leaders have become very concerned about information protection and governance. And so when we think about that, we're seeing organizations that are starting to more fully embrace than they ever have uh, technologies like digital rights management so that we can protect information when it's produced or when it's pulled out of systems data loss prevention so that we can actually control how people handle information once it's put into their possession. And so that gives us an element of control around what's going on, whether it's in the office or whether it's wherever you are. Um, related to that, because DRM and DLP tend to give you some additional telemetry, as well as whatever product productivity and collaboration environment you're looking at, we're starting to see, and Microsoft is certainly in this business of helping organizations understand insider risk. So what is insider risk? Insider risk could be that I, I had a bad performance review and that's starting to lead me to execute some bad behaviors like I'm starting to copy off a bunch of information or I'm starting to delete information. We now have enough machine learning uh, capability married you know, with some supplemental HR information where we can actually start surfacing some of these risks that we're seeing in the environment. And Yes, you mentioned that you know it's it's a dark subject, but you know as as we have more people who are permanently working remotely, having this insider risk visibility while observing all of the relevant privacy laws uh, can be an important tool in the toolbox for organizations that really want to embrace permanent uh, remote remote work. And I think we both agree that you know not only are organizations in some cases benefiting from the remote worker. But we're also seeing workers who are insisting that they remain remote as well. And so it's really important that we fill that gap and that we can actually manage and mitigate some of the risks that are associated with that. Sure. And, you know, it's certainly not something that's likely to change really anytime soon, even as people go back to the office. As you mentioned, some workers are still requesting to work remotely. Um, I do want to just squeeze in one last question because you, you started talking about um, 
handling customers and consumer information. I know that's a topic of great interest to our audience. So how are you working with organizations to reduce risks specifically around that that come with handling uh, customer and consumer information in remote work settings? Yeah, and it, it really comes down to a few of the technologies that I was talking about before, but from Microsoft's perspective, uh, we really need to look at this problem statement from how do we manage information cradle to grave and whether it's structured or unstructured. Uh, and so we have been working on end-to-end solutions that deal with that. And so I talked about, you know, at the beginning when information is created, we need to be using some type of digital rights management so that we can protect it wherever it goes. Even if it's sent outside of the perimeter of the organization, digital rights management has that type of capability. Second is we need to look at how that information is being handled. Data loss prevention technologies can be really, really useful for uh, not only looking at how information is handled, but also governing it and and, uh, determining where it can be stored and where it cannot be stored as we would think about sanctioned and unsanctioned IT. But then we also think, uh, you know, about some of the privacy requirements. And we talked about this in the first episode as well, but uh, with uh, clearer and clearer and more strict privacy law, we're now needing to uh, serve consumers in different ways. Consumers need to be able to understand what organizations know about them, how to correct the information that they have, how to transport that information, and last but not least, how to delete that information from their systems. And so we have capabilities that are helping us honor some of these data subject uh, requests and data subject rights uh, that consumers have. And then last but not least, uh, as we think about you know, managing information cradle to grave is ensuring that uh, through records management types of approaches that we keep records as long as we're legally obligated to do so, but also destroy records as soon as we're legally able to do so. And so now you can see why I kind of called that information protection governance cradle to grave because we're now starting to get full suites of solutions that can go end to end. And that's what's helping us really to manage the consumer information, consumer experience in the ways that they expect us to manage it. Great. Well, thank you. That's some great information to leave us with. Um, Thanks so much for talking with me today, Jim. Thanks, Lisa. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit consumergoods.com and rasnews.com to sign up for our newsletters.